I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello there, listener. This episode of The Second Tier is sponsored by Boot and Ball. They make artwork inspired by the world of sport. They've got 225 designs, 60 of which are for different football teams, including the likes of Reading, Derby, Blackburn, QPR. You get the idea. All their artwork is available via print, frame print and canvas. And because you're a listener of this superb podcast, you can get 15% off using the code second tier. That's one word, all in capitals. Why not have a gander and see if something takes your fancy? Go to bootandballprints.com right now. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Timu Pookie to my Emmy Brendier. It's Justin Peach. It's finally a compliment, but how are Justin, you? Justin, I'm always complimenting you. Yeah. I, d- I don't know where you get this crazy idea from that I'm just slagging you off all the time. 20 years of friendship, Ryan, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? You're right. I'm tip top, mate. How are you? I'm spectacular, thank you. We're joined on the show today by Mike Duffy from the Watford podcast, Voices of the Vic. Mike, how are you? Yeah, yeah, grand scheme of things, I'm well, but after yesterday's result, not great. <laughs> yeah, we'll get onto that in just a sec. Also, here is Phil Catchpole from the Wickham podcast, Ringing the Blues. Phil, are you well? I'm very good, thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me back. Uh, possibly my final appearance. Yeah, possibly. Uh, You are listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to run through all the games from the championship this past weekend, talk about some of the news that's happened in the past few days and finish off with Sam Grayson's Hateful Eight right at the end. We'll start off with the M1 derby between Luton and Watford. I mean, I called it the M1 derby, but that seemed to infuriate Luton and Watford fans. What do you call the derby, Mike? To be honest, mate, it's been that long since we played each other. I didn't know there was another name for it. I don't think there is another name for it, to be honest. I was just looking at Wikipedia. So please stop sending me hate messages, people. Uh, Luton beat Derby. <laughs> Luton beat Watford, rather, in the league for the first time since 1994. And the crazy thing is, Mike, Luton 100% deserved it, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I suppose I'm going to have to hold my hand up and sort of not be biased. But yeah, mate, I, I really don't know what happened to us yesterday. Uh, I think it's been coming. The international break come at the wrong time for us. And, um, you know, we, we crept over the line against Sheffield Wednesday, just drew to Middlesbrough, wasn't very good then. Um, beat Reading because of two early goals, but they piled under pressure and then yeah, yesterday I think was the one where it just wasn't happening for us. But yeah, we, we didn't look in the game uh, at all, really. Mm. Well, this result means Luton are one of three teams to be mathematically guaranteed to be in the Championship next season, along with Middlesbrough and Stoke. That means you get another year with us. How lucky are you guys? Uh, but based on performances like this, Justin, and how they've done overall this season, 
I reckon Luton could be one to keep an eye on next season, do you? There's, there's potential there. I mean, if they go the same way Barnsley have, I don't see why not. But, you know, the amount of chances Luton created, but they missed, shows that there's a real gap in quality. Um, potentially in that final third, James Collins is out of contract as well. They've got a real gem in Adebayo, but is he going to get 15, 20 goals that these teams need to break that gap in to get, to get into the playoffs? Maybe, maybe not. But, uh, you know, there's potential there and there's certainly a lot of praise that needs to be heaped on on Luton because games like yesterday, they showed absolutely no fear and that's what they've got. Yeah, luckily for you, Mike, Brentford and Swansea couldn't capitalise fully on the loss to gain grounds on Watford in the race for the top two. But does this performance ring alarm bells heading into the final four games of the season? Because, of course, you've got to play three of the top four. Yeah, I mean, if you did ask me that straight after the game, then, you know, everything was against us. And, you know, I, I sent a rather long, angry voicemail, uh, voice message to my co-host after the game <laughs> saying, that's it, we've bottled it, seconds gone. We, we, we're going to bottle playoffs as well. Because the general consensus throughout Watford fans is if we don't make the top two, we will not win the playoffs. Um, many Watford fans are thinking that. And... Um, I am a little bit worried, if I'm if I'm being truthfully honest. I, I mean, um, a little bit gutted that feels like couldn't finish the job on a Sheffield Wednesday yesterday after being turning up. But um, at least, and they held they held them, and they only got a point. So. Um, I'm just hoping that that's the bad game out the way and then we can sort of take some real fight going into the next one, which is a nice, easy task of Norwich away. So, um, but having slept on it, I think we'll just creep over the line, but I think it's going to go down to the last day. I really hope I'm wrong on that, but yeah, I think we'll just sneak, sneak over it. But if you'd have asked me yesterday, mate, then no chance we would have got, we would have bottled promotion and everything. So, Nice and positive. <laughs> One of the teams trying to catch up with Watford is Swansea. They came back from two goals down to draw 2-2 with Wickham. What did you make of the game, Phil? Uh, yeah, I mean, Swansea didn't look like a team that were going for automatic promotion yesterday. I mean, Wickham have kind of thrown the shackles off a little bit and there's no pressure. There hasn't really been any pressure on Wickham this season at all. There's even less pressure on them now and they really had a go. Um, Wickham have been playing three at the back the last sort of seven or eight games and they've kind of hit a bit of rhythm. Um, and really coming to their own a little bit. And, you know, if you look at the form table, Wickham are a mid-table in the last sort of 10, 15 games. Um, but yeah, Swansea, they lost IU uh, to a, look to be a hamstring strain after about 14, 15 minutes. Um, and then after that, they were, they, were, they were not at the races at all in the first half. I was really unimpressed. Um, and I know Steve Cooper looked really angry at half-time as well. And he, he looked even more upset after about 20 seconds of the second half. But... Um, yeah, I thought Wickham were a bit unlucky not to win it. I mean, it was two bits of real quality for Swansea. Um, you know, the, certainly the equaliser was real quality with the cross. Bit unlucky to for Wickham to give away the penalty for a, a bit of an accidental handball. Um, and Wickham should have had a penalty in the first half as well. But um, but then Wickham had the better chance uh, in the closing stages. Musquay really probably should have scored to make it 3-2. Um so I think Swansea could probably count themselves lucky to get the point. Um, but yeah, they went to three at the back. They matched up Wickham, bottom of the table Wickham, at home. They matched up their formation, having gone back to four at the back in the last two games, which said one, having, I think, played three at the back for most of the season. But I did find it odd that they kind of paid Wickham quite a lot of respect and um, it didn't really work for them yesterday. No, Andre Ayew going off after nine minutes, Justin. 
that could be a big blow for the rest of the season, couldn't it? It could, because as Phil mentioned, you saw how, not dysfunctional, but how they lacked a lot going forward. And Andre Ayo, the way he drops into spaces in between the, the front sort of third and the middle third, really gets Swansea going into that final final sort of attacking area. And without that link-up player in midfield, it's massively holding them back going forward, which is why they struggled to create in that really bad run of form. But I mean, credit to Wickham, as, as Phil said, they matched him up, they paid him a lot of respect and... That's, to, that's probably to Wickham's credit rather than Swansea's discredit. Mm. Unfortunately, the result isn't enough for Wickham, who aren't mathematically relegated yet, but could be in midweek. And this is going to sound incredibly patronising, Phil, but considering the resources, considering the size of the club and the lack of time Wickham had to prepare for this season, I'd say they've done all right, would you? Yeah, I think they've done really, really well. Um, you know, that certain people didn't think they were going to win a single game all season. <laughs> <laughs> no comments. <laughs> so, um, like I said earlier, like the last 10, 15 games, you know, we're, we're mid-table in the form table. Um, you know, we didn't win a point until the eighth game of the season at home to Watford, and they should have won that game as well. Um, uh, and then after that, they've been very competitive. And that's, to be honest with you, has been really frustrating because, you know, like I think a lot of our fans thought there would be really bad days where we would get real tonkings. There could be quite a few of them, but we've been beaten 5-0 by Blackburn um, on the second game of the season. We lost 7-2 at Brentford. Um, and then the rest of the time, we've really been in games. You know, we've fought hard and we haven't been steamrolled. Um, and it's just been that extra bit of quality, perhaps at both ends of the pitch, um, that, you know, maybe 10, 15% more budget could have put us in with a shout and um, we've lost some important games as well and had a bit of bad luck on the way but they're still fighting with four games to go um, which is kind of remarkable considering we signed one player for cash in the summer um, which was for about 50 grand to 100 grand um, and that's pretty much our only transfer fee we've made in the last eight or nine years um, when you consider you know Watford have got Ismaili Saar what's he 30 million Andre Ayew was signed back by Swansea for £18.5 Wickham haven't spent £18.5 million in their entire history, and I include building the stadium in that. Um, so, <laughs> by rights, they should be completely cut adrift and nowhere near being, you know, surviving. just sounds weird, a footballer being more expensive than a whole stadium. Imagine <laughs> being more expensive than a whole building. Um, <laughs> do you think you'll be able to bounce back in League One next season? Um, I think we're very hopeful, um, especially with our form recently, because you know, like we we took third of the ta- third in the table, Swansea, uh, all the way yesterday, and we've looked good recently. Um, uh, but League One is really tough. There's some massive teams down there, and I know things aren't aren't settled down there yet. But you know, they can't all come up. So there's going to be four or five teams who, historically, financially, um, will punch. Uh, a lot harder than Wickham can. Um, but Wickham are in really good shape now off the pitch because they've not spent any money this season and they've taken the TV money. So in terms of financially, this is the best Wickham have been for, I, I can't, since I can't remember when, they're in a fantastic position. Um, so everyone is very hopeful for next season, which is obviously a very dangerous thing to say as a football fan because it's the hope that always comes and kicks you up the arse in the end. But We've got a really good nucleus of a squad. We've got a fantastic manager. I think the club has been really unified by a family that live in New Orleans, um, which is fantastic considering we were owned by our own fans. But I think we're more unified now than we have been 
for a long, long time and things are looking up. So, yes, we're very hopeful for next season. Yeah, you say you've got a fantastic manager. Are you worried about Gareth Ainsworth potentially leaving? See, I've been linked with the Preston job. Is that a concern? Yeah, I mean, he's always linked to other jobs. Um, you know, he doesn't... Uh, he never rules himself out. He's quite clever, Gareth Ainsworth, with that. He's, uh, he's a lovely chap and he never sort of talks anything down. Uh, he never, ever says no. I always try and corner him and say, you know, what's happening? Are you gonna be, would you ever go there? And he always smiles and says what a great club it is to be linked to and but what a great club Wickham is. And, you know, he's been at Wickham for eight and a half years now. It'd be very odd for him not to be there. But equally, um, you know, speaking with my pundit hat on uh, and, you know, have, as I've got to know him over the, over the years, personally, I really want him to go on and do well. And it'd be great to see him with money to spend at a club, with resources to see what he can really do. Because I think at Wickham, he's had to do everything on a shoestring. You know, he was buying the nets for the training ground, you know, about four or five seasons ago, um, you know, decorating the training ground with the with his staff. But yeah, I, I hope he stays at Wickham next season. I think it would take something special for him to leave. My fear is Blackburn because Tony Mowbray looks like he's a bit, he's a bit lost up there and the Blackburn fans aren't keen. Gareth Ainsworth, that's his first ever club as a kid. He never played. They released him on his 18th birthday. It's the first result he looks for, other than Wickham's, obviously. And um, if they picked up the phone, I would worry a lot. Preston, I'm not so sure about because of the structure of the club. Um, would he get the autonomy that he gets at Wickham? I don't know. Um, but if he does go, I hope he goes somewhere that looks after him, gives him a massive budget, and he can go on and become a great manager, a bit like Chris Wilder has done. Yeah, and he's also a Blackburn fan as well. Uh, Mike and Phil, thank you for now. We'll come back to you both a bit later on when we play Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. For now, me and Justin are going on a trip around the grounds and we shall begin with Norwich, who have been officially promoted to the Premier League. Didn't necessarily do it with style, though, after losing 3-1 to Bournemouth, who themselves are looking to secure a playoff place. Joining us now from the Bournemouth fanzine, the South End, is Steve Jenkins. Steve, this was a massive result for your boys, wasn't it? I uh, thought that we might always be able to beat Norwich, but yeah, never thought it was going to be quite as uh, convincing as it was. But I, yeah, I think the you know they they were looking pretty good until they got their man sent off, and they decided to to sit behind the ball until we scored. So you know, it's a bit, of a, it's a bit difficult to tell how how good we were, but you know, who cares? We got three goals, three cracking goals, played really well, got the three points. So we got to be very very happy. Just need to win the next four now. Yeah, it's your sixth straight win. It's remarkable how well you're going at the moment. How much of that is down to Jonathan Woodgate? Yeah, I think, you know, Woodgate is definitely a big influence. He's decided, after experimenting a little with the uh, formation at the beginning of the season, he's decided to stick with the formation, pretty much stick with the same players. So, yeah, you know, he's, he's a big bonus for us. And I think he's just inspired the team, you know, just basically to go out and do what you're good at. Here you go. Off you go. So keep up the good work. And obviously when you start winning, people are rarely, you know, the confidence starts going through the team and you carry on winning. And he's probably, you know, just telling them to carry on doing what they do well. Yeah, and you're on course to finish in the playoffs. And the fact that you're in such good form bodes well for that, doesn't it? Are you feeling quite confident about winning the whole thing? Yeah, I think the playoffs are going to happen. You know, <laughs> it's not mathematically definite. So, you know, you have to be a little bit careful. But I can't see us being kicked out of them so but you know going into if we carry on with this form and take on any of those three other teams I think we've definitely got a really really good chance of going straight back up this year 
Thank you, Steve. Yeah, this was a great game. Uh, it really turned on its head when Dimitris Giannoulis was sent off in the first half for Norwich. That was an interesting decision because Ben Pearson was the one who slid in. And I thought he persuaded the ref to give the red card by rolling around like he did. Did you? Yeah, he, he sold it well, didn't he? He did He did that on three or four occasions where he tried to, tried to sell the ref down the river with um, certain reactions to certain... Um, Interactions with with Norwich players, so yeah, certainly certainly gave the ref a decision to make with it. But um, I don't think it was a red as such. I can see why the referee's given it, um, but I think the referee has to be absolutely certain that it you know it was a bad challenge, but it wasn't a bad challenge because you know I think Ben Pearson's gone in quite quick. Uh, Genulis was sort of over the top of the ball, but there wasn't really impact or following through. So I thought it was harsh. Yeah, it definitely was harsh. Arnold Danjuma scored a lovely goal. He is just class, isn't he? Uh, Bournemouth now on course for the playoffs and can secure them in midweek, Justin. They've won six games in a row and they look like the team who's going to win the whole playoffs at the moment, don't you think? There's always a team... Well, you always fancy a team that has a bit of momentum going into the playoffs, and Bournemouth certainly have it. As you say, you've got players in form. You, know, you mentioned Dan Juma would have scored another if it wasn't for Solanke being a little bit slow to... Uh, uh, well, I don't know why he put the Dan Juma shot in, because it was obviously going in and he was offside. It was one of the silliest things you could have done at, nil, at 1-0 to, to Norwich at that point. But as you say, they're in form, they're defending better, they're attacking with intent, they've got players who are simply unplayable at the moment and it's all falling into place for Bournemouth to say the very least very nicely Norwich are officially Premier League and we had a chat from Jacob from CanaryCast last week about how he thinks they'll do back in the big time the question is Justin how do you think they'll do? I, th- ah, I think they'll be okay I think it'll be a, a, a difficult uh, season again but I don't think they'll be anywhere near as bad as they were last season I say bad they weren't they weren't bad they just weren't up to scratch and you could tell you, you really could tell but um, I think they're much better equipped going up this time around and I think with the uh, Premier League money that they had from the season before they're they're much more financially they're, they're financially in a better position to bring in better quality players should they need to um, you know a, a goal scorer would be good at that level because Timo Puki has got ability but can he do it consistently in the Premier League who knows? But I think a, I think a six. I th- you know, what? I think a, a Norwich fan would take seventeenth at this point. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's it's a struggle, but there are teams that are worse than them. You know, you look at Newcastle, who look like they're going to stay up, for example. They're a team that you think are they better than Norwich? I don't think so. I know what you mean. They're definitely in a better position than they were last time, weren't? Aren't they? Because I, I think everyone can agree on that. I'd say they'll have to recruit. 100% they've got to bring players in. I think Max Ahrens is going, which is going to be a shame, but he's destined for bigger things, unfortunately. That's not necessarily a disaster, though, because I think they can replace him and then use the money to bring in the right players to keep them up. Mm-hmm. I think they need to try and bring back Oliver Skip because he's been so important for them this season and getting him back would be a huge boost. Um, they cannot sell any Brendier. They simply can't do it. If they sell him, there's no point in them being in the Premier League because <laughs> they'll just come straight back down. Um, they've got to bring in players, though. Norwich have got this reputation as a yo-yo club, as we all know, because they keep going up and when they do go up, they don't spend enough money. They've got to do that this time and hopefully they can make that money from Aaron's and then invest it the right way. 
Let's move on to the relegation battle, Justin. And two teams right in the thick of it. Uh, Birmingham, they got a massive 1-0 win over Rotherham after a late Harley Dean header. James Jenkinson is from Birmingham Fan TV and this was a big result, wasn't it, James? Yeah, it's massive. I think that I think it's safe to say now that that was season-defining. I think that um, the form that we found ourselves in, in since Bowie's took over is, um, has been nothing short of spectacular. I don't think neither myself nor the most optimistic Blues fan in the world could have predicted this um, and that today just epitomised that you know we've won some games playing some decent football good attacking brand of football today was a real poor spectacle but um, it's all about the three points when you're scrapping down the bottom um, it's not about winning pretty and it was today it was a real tough scrappy game two teams fighting it out to, to try and just earn those vital points to stay up and, and I think that if you look at the way this game could have swung today, if Rotherham would have won, there'd have been three points behind us with two in ha- two games in hand. But um, we've won to go nine points clear with uh, with two in hand. So, yeah, I think it's safe to say that, in my opinion, you know, fingers crossed, touch wood, that uh, that sees us safe. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think you're just about safe now. So, with that being said, uh, based upon how you've done with Lee Bowyer so far, you must be feeling pretty optimistic about next season. Yeah, 100%. I can't. I can't see any reason uh, not to be optimistic. Well, on the pitch anyway. You know, Lee Bowyer, four consecutive clean sheets now. First time since Chris Hewton in 2011. Um, you know, four wins, one draw, one defeat in six games in charge. And a lot of those against top teams like Brentford and Reading and Swansea. So, yeah, how can you not be optimistic? You know, uh, he's come in and completely U-turned us. Um, the only downside is, you know, we've seen this happen before. Gary Monk, Gary Rowett good managers got us doing well you know competing against good teams and the board go and mess it up so i think my only concern would be is if don wren's still at the club you know does he keep his job is he given the tools we've already seen rumors that wren didn't want bowyer in doesn't want bowyer in so um that still remains a concern for me but you know as a manager i think we're in real safe hands now with lee bowyer at the top yeah, and finally, James, what positions would you say Blues need to strengthen in the summer? I think, you know, going forward, I think the the goals this season have still been, you know, pretty tame. I don't think we've necessarily had the firepower going forward. So I think if he looks for another forward, uh, going forward, you know, you've got the wingers, he's only got Sanchez and Bella. He could probably do one more out there. I think the defence has looked really strong since since he's come in four clean sheets on the bounce. So I don't think that's anything to concern of. Um, if you can keep Rakeem Harper, try and get him on a permanent, you know, add a winger and a forward and, and keep Halilovic as a number 10, then he's got a chance next season of, of building something strong. But, um, you know, the signs are there that we really don't need too many adding to this team, just a little bit of creativity and firepower. Cheers, James. Yeah, Rotherham will be ruining some of the chances they miss, Justin. I was just amazed at how far Mark Roberts can throw the ball because he seemed <laughs> he seemed to have about a hundred throw-ins in this game, and every single one went absolutely miles. It's it's a, it's definitely there's a science to it, and it absolutely it's bonkers, and it completely throws me off. Uh, you, you think about certain players, how, why, why and how can you throw it that far? You, you've got nothing in your shoulders, you know. Yeah. How how can you do that? It's, it's incredible. Yeah, I don't really understand how you become good at long throws because someone like Akin Femers, we all know, is really, really strong. 
I don't think he'd be very good at long throws. So <laughs> how you develop this technique, I, I just don't really know. Um, but it is a big result for Birmingham. And they're now nine points away from the relegation zone. So it looks like they're safe now, would you say? I think so, yeah. They, they, they've, they've, the teams below them have got a lot to make up. You look at Rotherham, the amount of points that they've got to make up, and Derby as well. It, it seems like it's a it's a head-to-head with those two sides. Um, but with that, you've got to... You've got to absolutely applaud the the job that Bowie's done because under Cranker they were going down there's yeah. absolutely no mistake about it even with Rotherham's points that they, they had to make up they were going down under Cranker um, so the, the team under Lee Bowie are very simple and I'm looking forward to what he can get out of them next season with players that he's going to bring in in the summer and you know more time to implement his philosophy as well yeah it's an exciting time isn't it as James was just saying then it, it the only concern is, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. Mm. Um, but if they do invest well, then Lee Boyer is definitely the right man to take this Birmingham team to a different level, isn't he? Um, this was a big week for Rotherham, wasn't it? They've picked up four points overall from the four games they've played in eight days. Would you be happy with that if you were Paul Warren? No. No, I think uh, I've said on a couple of occasions, seven points would be the absolute minimum for me to get to get to pick up seven points in, a, in, a, in such a busy week would be would be would have been ideal but four points and as well as that two of those two of those games again have come against Coventry and Birmingham City who are down there with you um they had to they had to pick up wins in these games or at least at the very least not lose um and unfortunately lost both of them narrowly um it, it seems a bit of the same old story for uh, for Rotherham in this game because they had chances didn't take them and they're in a position where they're now ruining a defeat it's it's a bit of, a bit of deja vu to say the very least yeah the finishing has definitely let them down over the past couple of weeks actually yeah. um, in every single game where they've dropped points they've had chances but just not taken them um, they've still got two games in hand and the four points behind Derby, who are now definitely the main candidates to replace them, aren't they? Let's talk about Derby, because they're in a bit of a pickle, aren't they? <laughs> After losing 2-1 to Blackburn on Friday night. Joining us now from the Second Tier podcast is Derby fan Justin Peach. Justin, hello. Hello. What did you make of the game? Uh, well, you know what? I was, I was pleasantly surprised with Derby in the first half. I thought they were really, really good. Uh, I, I thought they were better than Blackburn in the first half. And then the second half, well... You know, Derby go one 0 up, and then they concede a sloppy goal in the first half, and then the second half they didn't really get going. It was a slow start, and that's been that's happened a lot this season. It's not something that has you know, magically started to to become a, a problem. It's it's been an issue all season. Really slow starts in the second half, but as I say, Derby had chances. Um, if they'd have gone two 0 up, I think that might have been game over because it's all sort of, for, for a team like Blackburn who are, have had a bad run of results. Um, making up a two-goal deficit. I know they did it against Cardiff, but making up a two-goal deficit when you're against a team that's scrapping is going to be difficult. But from Derby's perspective, the defeat is so damaging and it brings to question a lot about Rooney, a lot about the players and a lot about whether or not they're going to stay in this division or not. What are you questioning about Rooney? <sighs> whether he has the where where he's got the experience to do it I think an experienced manager would have pulled Derby away from the relegation zone but we talk about footballing philosophy and getting that drilled into players Rooney's had since December January time to get that into players he he had that new manager bounce and from that bounce you you start to coach in your philosophy and what you want from the team 
but it's been constant change tactically, style of play, personnel. It's been constant change, and I think that's where the inexperience comes into it. Has been dealt a tough hand. It would have been great to have players come in early in January and players that he wanted because I don't think the players he brought in were his top targets. Alas, it didn't happen. Um, but with what he has got, he hasn't really found a formula that works, especially after Bielik's injury. Yeah, he does change the team a lot, doesn't he? He's <laughs> meddling quite a lot, as they say. Dobby did have a shout for a penalty right at the end of the game, in fairness. Looked a bit stonewall, to say the very least. Ooh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it was probably one of the more obvious ones. There's one thing at Reading Sheffield Wednesday earlier on in the season at Hillsborough. That was a, a really bad one. Um, and that was, and this one is another stonewaller. Those two <laughs> really sit high for me. But unfortunately, what Derby did in the game was he didn't take the chances and he gave away two really soft goals. So if we're getting to the end of the game where we need a penalty from the referee to keep us in the game, it's not good enough. Mm. The results and others elsewhere leave Derby as the most likely team for Rotherham to overtake if they win their games in hand. And the big concern is, Justin, that Derby are playing so poorly right now. I think if I was a championship side and could pick who I'd want to play right now, it would be Derby. Yeah, that's how poor yeah. they are. Four losses in the last five, and the way they're playing, I, th- I don't think many fans would argue that relegation was undeserved. No, it's absolutely, it's completely deserved. If if it does turn out that Rotherham go down and Derby stay up, then I'll be thinking, I don't know how Derby have got away with that because every game as an opposition, you're probably going into a game against Derby where you're thinking they're not going to score against us and they're going to give us a chance. Teams teams take them, especially teams like Blackburn who have got quality all over the pitch. There are teams that have players who will take your chances and unfortunately Derby just aren't good enough and as as you say it is completely deserved if they do end up going down Four games left for Derby two of them against Wednesday and Birmingham Blackburn were looking over their shoulder a bit but this result has just about ended any fears of going down but it has been a very very disappointing second half to the season for them hasn't it? Ooh, yeah a little <laughs> almost I wouldn't say crashed and burned but the way Blackburn not far going, off yeah, yes. the way the way Blackburn were going, crash, yeah, it, not burned. <laughs> it's crashed and smouldering, shall we say? <laughs> um, it was going so well, and we had such high hopes for Blackburn. Um, mm. I I was egging them on to finish in the playoffs because I, I really like Mowbray. I really like this team, but it hasn't worked. Um, and why hasn't it worked? Because they have got a sizable budget. They have got a very good budget at Blackburn. Um, you know, they're not one of the lowest finance sides. So they should be doing a lot better than finishing in a lower mid-table. They should be higher than mid-table. They should be in and around Cardiff and Borough, for example. Yeah. But all the ingredients are there for a successful side. They've got loads of depth, loads of quality in depth as well. It's a talented squad. You've got a goal scorer. You've got a brilliant keeper. Everything there for Blackburn to be a top six side. And when that happens, I'm afraid you probably have got to point fingers at the manager. Mm. And I do like Tony Mowbray as a manager, but if you've got all those things and you're not getting the most out of them, then I'm afraid it might be time for him to call it a day at Blackburn and give someone else a try. Um, Let's take a break, Justin. After that, we'll carry on talking about the rest of the relegation battle. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. 
One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that of course includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a Classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either, they've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Justin, you were just telling me in the break how you nearly had a disaster because you left on the oven this afternoon. Yes, yeah, sort of got a bit of a smell in the first half, halfway through the first half of the recording, so obviously we break it up a little bit, um, and it wasn't ideal at all, and I was really confused as to why, and then I got down into the kitchen, and it was like coming off an aeroplane in a hot country. Uh, yeah, was the ideal. door open? No. I'm so <laughs> it's, 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 it's an electric fan oven, um, so there's no fire, just the awful smell of the house potentially burning down oh good <laughs> let's, let's move on shall we and get back talking to the relegation battle we'll start with coventry who made it two wins in two by beating barnsley two nil a good few days for coventry a very good few days it's it's back-to-back clean sheets it's two wins on the trot it's it's a massive week and as well as that you've got everything seems to be falling into place for the players at the right time Defensively, very, very organised and solid. Football has been. I mean, we we, we did the watch along um, on on Thursday or Friday. I can't remember now. Thursday. Is it Thursday? Thursday, yeah. and um, the football was was really good against Rotherham. Uh, and as I say, everything's starting to click. And and I think part and parcel of that is having Matty James and Liam Kelly in there as, as two experienced midfielders in that in that midfield. You got McCallum as well, who's been brilliant. Yeah. They, they were great here against Barnsley and they, they're carrying on the form into the, the final four or five games. Yep, and you'd say they're safe now. Um, all it takes is just a couple of wins and suddenly you look safe. It's remarkable. Um, and now they can start planning for next season. I'm glad they have stayed up because they're mm. a very likeable club, aren't they, Coventry? Good manager in Mark Robbins, good young team, play nice football, a lot to like. There is, there really is. And obviously they're back at the Rico as well, which is even better for... For, for Coventry fans, although their record at St Andrews is ridiculous, so maybe not so good. We'll see, I guess, <laughs> next season how that pans out. But as you say, there is a lot to like. Uh, they, they they play football the right way. They they play a three at the back, which is you know a blast on the pass for for certain teams. Um, but the way they play a three at the back isn't sort of lump it forward sort of style of play. It's it's really slick, and um, they got some good young players as well. Really, really are going to be interesting to watch next season, Coventry. They definitely are. For Barnsley, they missed some really, really good chances here. And that is something we've said a lot about them. Even when they've won, they have still missed quite a few chances. There have been countless times this season where they've won a game by just a single goal, but they could have won it by about three or four. And it wasn't much of an issue because Barnsley were obviously winning games. This is one where it was an issue. And that is my main concern for Barnsley how many good chances they waste well going into the playoffs is you don't want to be in a position where you're continually missing big chances um, obviously you don't get that many in a playoff campaign but the thing is with Barnsley we've got to remember where they've come from they, 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 we've said it before they, they've finished 
21st last season because of a points deduction for Wigan. They would have gone down if it wasn't for administration for Wigan. It was a, it was a final day survival for, for Barnsley and what they've done since then um, is nothing short of remarkable. So them being in a position where they're not always on top on top form and they're not always going to put chances away is because they're probably not in a position themselves where they are actual top six players yet. And they will get there because they've got potential. There's there's a lot of potential in this team, but you just have to remember the, the transition that they've gone through to get to where they are now. Yeah, they're still in the playoffs, four points clear of Reading. So still looks on course, but this is definitely a bump in the road, isn't it? Uh, Huddersfield got a massive, massive win by beating Forest 2-0. Considering this Huddersfield side had only won twice in 2021 before this game, they were worth the win, weren't they? They absolutely were. I, I do I do think Forest were really poor in this game, but as you say, they, they were certainly worth the, the three points. They counter-pressed really well. They were composed. They didn't panic. That's from a team who have had a really poor run of form. Didn't look like they had a poor run of form. Um, that they as well as that, Aaron Rowe looked sharp in midweek and he's carried that form on into this weekend and obviously got a goal here. They forced James Garner into passing it backwards into nobody who, who essentially played through Aaron Rowe on goal. So there's a lot to be positive about for now for Huddersfield fans because they were wondering where the next win was coming from and it came against Forrest. Yep, Janinio Bakuna scored a lovely goal, a perfect example of that. When he can be bothered, he's a very good player. <laughs> This result is amazing in the way that before the game, Derby and Huddersfield looked like the two teams in the most trouble are being uh, overtaken by Rotherham. But now Huddersfield look like they should be okay. Emphasis on the should. They've got a four-point gap between them and Derby, and that's a pretty good cushion with four games left. It is, but it is a championship. You know, we we can't rule out Rotherham winning the next four games and Derby winning the next two games and other teams losing and dragging them back into it. We we can't rule that out. Although it's very unlikely at this point, you just can't rule it out. So until I think Huddersfield are mathematically safe, they won't be breathing any sort or partying, shall we say? Yep, Forest for them, considering this result puts Derby in all sorts of trouble. Do you reckon Forest lost on purpose? <laughs> um, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking this. I, I I did think Samba maybe could have done better with the Bakuna shot. <laughs> it looked like he just let it in, but nah, of course, of course they didn't do it on purpose. It just highlights how far Forest have got to go to get to where I think Hewton wants them to be because, as I said at the start, they were really poor in this game. They really struggled to create high-quality chances. Um, I think the first 10 or 15 minutes, they were they were quite bright. They pressed fairly well, but... In the first half, Schofield only had one save to make. Um, and one thing I want to mention is going into next season, having someone like Brennan Johnson, who's on loan at Lincoln at the moment, he's got 22 goal involvements this season for Lincoln. So you have to, he has to be playing next season because he's clearly got ability and he's got something that Forrest lack, which is creative nows. I'm surprised they sent him out anyway, to be quite honest. Yeah. Because Forrest have always been a club that gives youngsters a chance and... He seems like next in line and he's been playing fantastically in League One this season. Forrest are desperate for a bit of creativity and someone else who can score because we all know their top goal scorer this season is own goals with four. So <laughs> if they had someone like Brennan Johnson who is fun in the back of the net as well, then they wouldn't be in the mess that they are now. I say mess, it's not really a mess, but they'd be higher on the table. Um, an 87th minute equaliser from Tyreek Backinson 
meant Bristol City drew 1-0 with Sheffield Wednesday, who also missed a penalty. The key moment in this game was Henry Lansbury's red card in the 20th minute, which was one of the most bizarre red cards I've ever seen. Wednesday had a volley, which hit the bar, and Lansbury touched the bar with his hand as it hit the bar and goes over. The referee thinks it's actually hit Lansbury's hand as it hits the bar, but replay showed it didn't. It was a poor decision, but I don't know why Lansbury did that anyway and gave the referee the choice. Hang on. I, I, I watched it twice and I was convinced that Lansbury just tipped it over the bar himself. I didn't... I, I wasn't surgically breaking it down like that. Did it actually hit the bar? Yeah. Okay. That's not a, <laughs> that's not a great decision. Um but yeah, it, it is a, a crazy decision for Lansbury to make, who's an experienced midfielder. They're only 1-0 down at this point. They've got an hour left to go. Why are you putting your hand up near the bar? Yeah, it's so weird. So, so weird. Yeah. Um, Wednesday did miss some good chances, and it's very disappointing for them because a win would have kept their slim hopes of staying up alive. But this is just about extinguish those hopes and Wednesday could be officially relegated in midweek for Bristol City of course I know it isn't but if this season was five or six games longer then I'd be looking at Bristol City and be thinking they could go down because they have been terrible recently haven't they they've lost 10 out of 16 games since the start of February they're so so poor aren't they and it's been like that really since the turn of the year I think the the Lansbury, the, you know, him putting his hand up to potentially knock the ball over the bar, it sort of sums them up. Really silly decision making all the way through. A lack of creativity, defensively really leaky. You just want the season to end if you're a Bristol City fan. Absolutely, you you're pulling your hair out, and as you say, it's been a really bad four months essentially for Bristol City and. As you say, you're praying for that final whistle on May 5th, May 6th, whatever, whatever the weekend I know, is. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, back to the race for the top two. Brentford couldn't make the, lo- make the most of Watford's loss as they drew 0-0 with Millwall. Brentford have now drawn five out of their last six. And I think it says a lot about them, really. They scored five last week. But apart from that, they've been lacking a cutting edge recently, haven't they? Yeah, and I think the worst thing here against the against Millwall were they didn't create anything clear cut, as you say. That's been a source of a couple of problems over this really drab run of form that they've been on. <clears throat> and obviously, other than the five goals, that's that's proved to be the anomaly at the moment. But Millwall had better openings. They got in behind. I think Scott Malone had two opportunities in the first half to to score for Millwall. So that's that's the worry really. They're not putting chances away and teams are getting chances against them um, which is a terrible terrible mix when you're going into the playoffs and that's probably why well that is why they're not they're not in for a shout for the automatics for me well Brentford went with three at the back again same system as last week and worked in a way because Millwall didn't create too much but they had a couple of good chances Brentford and it evidently wasn't enough of course Brentford are relying on Watford dropping points to have any chance of getting in the top two but they're not helping themselves with results like this and they're at that stage now where they have got to win every game for the rest of the season but from what you're saying you don't sound too confident of that no as you, as I said they're not creating it well they are creating enough chances they're not taking them this game against Millwall didn't create enough either so they're clearly stuttering and limping over the line just to get into the playoffs and then go again um, but then again Brentford have got the ability to put a run together 
they they they're good at that. They did it last season, so I won't be surprised if they pick up three points in the week. They they pick up three points the the following weekend. It's a disappointing performance after drubbing Preston five nil, isn't it? And it looked like that could be the start of a strong end to the season, but evidently not happening. And even if they do finish in the playoffs, they're not playing particularly well at the moment, are they? Reading's chances of finishing in the playoffs took a big blow after they drew one all with Cardiff on Friday night. A draw, a fair result? I mean, it, it was an even game, so a draw was a fair result. It took a it took until the 87th minute for the deadlock to be broken um, with, the, with the Cardiff penalty. But it's just... A, but the same old, same old. I think Reading were quite wasteful with the the chances that they did they did create. But I think as well as that, they gave away a lot of free kicks in and around the box, which is frustrating for them because they've got the ability in the team, but they just haven't clicked over the last couple of games. And it's all the, all the reason why is to why they've fallen out of the top six. Yeah, Lucas Yao went off with a dislocated shoulder, so it looks like he's going to miss at least the next couple of games, if not the rest of the season. Reading one win in seven, and that run of form has ultimately meant their playoff dream is just about over now. They're only four points behind Barnsley, in fairness, after their loss today. So it's still hopeful, but based on how they're playing, it's unlikely, you've got to say. When Mick McCarthy was appointed Cardiff manager until the end of the season, they got 24 points from a possible 30 in 10 games. Since he's got the job permanently, everyone wants. What do you make of that, Justin? Sack him. (laughs) (laughs) It it is weird, isn't it, how this kind of thing happens, where the manager gets these players playing so well, and then suddenly, when he actually does get the job permanently, it happens with caretaker managers quite often, doesn't it? That's when performances suddenly drop. I, I don't really know why it happens. It's an interesting psychology to try and break down, but I think uh, Mick McCarthy said himself that he didn't see his tenure at Cardiff as a, as a success. Um, I think then getting into the playoffs under him would have would have probably meant it was successful for him. But it, it shows you the high standards that he has. Um, but that 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 run of form, as you say, since he got the job permanently, it's, it's just strange. Um, I can't I can't work it out and. You know, it would take a top psychologist to try and break it down as to why that happens, but I can't imagine it's done on purpose. Let's finish off with two games, which mean absolutely nothing. First one is Middlesbrough v QPR, which finished 2 1 to Rangers. Rob Dickey with a screamer from 30 yards out, maybe even more. Lenny on Twitter asks, Would the second tier class this as a Thunderbastard? Justin, would you call it a Thunderbastard? I wouldn't call it a thunderbastard. I I I would define a thunderbastard as a as a looping volley. You hit it first time and it goes in the top corner. That for me is a thunderbastard. A thunderbastard for me is a proper bullet, and I would class this as a thunderbastard. So, it's got partial thunderbastard classification, Lenny. So uh, there you go. But it gives us a chance to talk about Rob Dickey, who we have mentioned a couple of times this season, but probably not enough because he has been one of the best centre halves in the championship this season, hasn't he? Without doubt, um, him and him and Johan Barbe, I think, have gone under the radar massively. Uh, I think QPR do concede a lot of goals, but they're probably one of the best progression teams in terms of playing it out from the back because they've got two of the best ball playing defenders in in the league in in Dickey and, and Barbe. But going back to Dickey, it surprised me that there wasn't a bidding war for him because the, uh, he showed his ability for Oxford in in League One. Again, they played nice football. So him going to QPR was a bit of a surprise because I don't think QPR would have 
they weren't they weren't a top six team. You were expecting him to go to a top six team or, or a team challenging for the playoffs. Whether or not QPR saw that at the start of the season, I don't know. But it just surprised me that he went to them because of where they were at that point. Well, he's he's a fantastic player, isn't he? And Massively. now he has shown that he is a player who would be capable of playing in the top six team because he, as we say, has been one of the best players at, at centre back in the championship this season. He reads the game so well, brilliant in the air. Great on the ball. He's just a superb all-round defender and has been central to everything good that QPR have done this season. Final game, Justin Stoke nil, Preston nil. Two teams with absolutely nothing to play for and they play out a dull, dull game. I mean, what is the point? I just think, Justin, if both teams have got nothing to play for, then at least put on a good game. Just two at the back. Give us a 7-7. Go, I was going to say, just go absolutely crazy. Just don't even put out 11 players. Just do eight aside because then the game will finish. Because we all play six aside and seven aside, don't we? The game will finish like 12-13 and then you do next goal wins. Yeah, and get your goalkeeper out. Swap swap goalies around. Rush back keepers. Just do that instead. And, and Don't put your supporters through a dual nil-nil. That means nothing. People will pay £10 for the the match pass. I will pay £10 for the match pass just to see that. Let's let's write to the EFL. <laughs> when let's do it. Two teams have got nothing to play for. Spice it up a bit, lads. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. Wednesday manager Darren Moore is suffering from pneumonia. After contracting COVID, he developed blood clots on his lungs and was suffering from extreme discomfort. He had missed three games, but returned to the dugout for the Swansea game earlier this week. The club now say he'll have another absence. Horrible news. Really horrible news, isn't it? Yeah, it's awful. Uh, we, I mean, the news broke when we were doing the live watch along on Thursday and it was quite a shock, really. Um, you don't expect... You, I mean, even now, you still don't expect fit, healthy people to be... Uh, as impacted as 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 much as they are with with this um, virus, it's, it's awful and just goes to show that it's not not quite done yet, is it? No, not at all. Um, in contract news, Rotherham captain Richard Wood will remain at the club for another year after an option to extend his contract was taken up. He's played really well this season, anti Richard Wood for someone who. And you'll probably admit it is getting on a bit. Mm. He has done fantastically this season. He has, and I think he said that he would, if Rotherham stay up this season, it'll be the biggest achievement of his career. You know, he's won at Wembley. I think he scored at Wembley as well in playoff in playoff games. So it goes to show just how how big of a deal it would be for Rotherham to stay up, and how how important he's been as well for for Rotherham this season. He's a big leader in the dressing room as well. And final bit of news there isn't much this week. Deep Dell has become a temporary court to help clear a backlog of criminal crates criminal cases during the coronavirus pandemic how about that that <laughs> what's the most random thing i think i've heard in football that's so weird it, it's it's happened i know but I, i'm just i mean they had the um they had the football museum there for a bit as well so not only did they have the, the football museum but they had the courts of justice as well fantastic imagine, imagine if you're a season ticket holder and you do a crime or something like that and then get sentenced at Deepdale. It's just, it's just a really weird thought. <laughs> Very bittersweet, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least I got sentenced at the place that I love. Mm. Um, 
Let's do some polls, Justin. This is the part of the show where we ask you three questions on Twitter to see what you guys are saying about the championship at the moment. So the first question we asked was this. Who's going down? Derby or Rotherham? Which way would you have gone, Justin? Um, I've I've said for a long time Derby, so I'm I'm going to stick to my guns here. I'm going to say Derby will go down. It's very close. 53% said Rotherham. 47% said Derby. That's tight in terms of the polls, but it's also tight in terms of the table, isn't it? So it's only right that it was that way. Who would you rather have out of these three wingers? Ishmael Asar, Arnott Danjuma and Ovi Ijaria. There's a recency bias with these because I'd rather have Arnott Danjuma, but Ismail Asar all day through the course of the season. I'd go Danjuma. Maybe sure. I'm a bit swayed by how well he's been playing recently, but he has just blown my socks off how good he has been recently. Mm. Uh, Ismail Sar got 59%. Arnold Anjuma got 29%. Ovi Ajaria got 12%. Ajaria is a good player as well. I didn't want to leave him out there. <laughs> and, uh, he is a very good player. And which is better, orange juice with bits or smooth orange juice? I can't believe this has been brought up. We didn't discuss this beforehand, but for the first time in about two and a half years, I bought orange juice without bits in my weekly shop this week. Okay. I usually go with orange juice with bits. Though. Okay. But which one do you prefer? I prefer orange juice with bits. You're a disgusting human being. <laughs> um, 73% said smooth orange juice. 27% said orange juice with bits. So there you go. Right, now it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson here. So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show. Mike Duffy from the Watford podcast, Voices of the Vic. And Phil from the Wickham podcast, Ringing the Blues. So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject. All they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So for example, if I were to say, name the top eight clubs in the championship, and Justin would say Norwich, that's one down. And Phil would say Watford, that's another down. But if Mike would say Derby, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, gents, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. So Watford are sitting second in the championship at the moment. But can you name me the last eight teams who finished second in the championship in the last eight seasons? So that's since the 2012-2013 season, if that helps at all. Um, We'll start with you, Phil. Can you name me a team who's finished second in the championship in the last eight seasons? Wow. Um, Newcastle. Newcastle? Uh, Newcastle is wrong. They won the league in, when was it? It was about 2015, wasn't it? 2017, actually. Uh, So Phil's out straight away. So hold on, Phil. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, chaps. Uh, That means we're down to two and we haven't got any yet. Mike, it's your go. You say since 2012-13 season, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, Hall, because they picked us to seconds that season. They did. They finished eight points behind Cardiff in 2013 when Steve Bruce was in charge of the Tigers. Uh, so that's the least recent one. Justin, it's your go. Uh, well, I'm glad Mike said that because I was I couldn't remember if that was the Southampton year or another team. And he, and he, and he got it. 13-14 um, was Burnley because they pipped a derby. Yes, they finished nine points behind Leicester. Uh, Mike, your go. Uh, can I say us? <laughs> 14-15 yes. season. Yes, you're doing this in order at the moment. They finished, uh, Watford <laughs> finished a point behind Bournemouth in 2015. Justin, your go? 15-16 uh, was 
Brighton. That is absolutely right. Chris Hewton's boys finished a point behind Newcastle in 2017. Uh, Mike, your go. See, that, that's what I was going to go with next. Um, oh, Christ. I think West Brom finished second at any yes. stage. They got promoted on the last day of the season last season after finishing quite a way behind Leeds. Uh, Justin, your go. You've got three left. I, th- I think that season in between was Borough. Yes, yeah. I thought Cranker's team got promoted on the final day of the season in 2016. You're doing well here. You've only got two left and there's two of you still in. Mike, your go. Um, I'm just trying to think. So It's 2018 uh, and 2019 seasons. 2018. I'm trying to guess. I'm going to say, um, I'm, I know this one's wrong, but I'm going to say anyway, um, Reading. Nah, Reading, Reading is wrong. That. Why did you say Reading? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Reading have been in the championship for quite a while now. So, yeah, it's not them. Uh, that means Mike's out and Justin, you're the last man standing. you got two to go. So, it's the 17-18 season and the 18-19 season. Yes. So, 18-19. Um, Christ. I can't remember who won the championship now. It's amazing how quickly your mind goes blank. Um, Stop stalling. Come on. Uh, what, Norwich won the league. Who finished second? Sheffield United. It was Sheffield United. Chris Wilder's boys were five points behind Norwich. That means you've got one left, Justin. Who came second in the 2017-2018 season? Uh, that was... Um, so Fulham won the... No, I can't remember. Christ. Um Oh no! This is just say a terrible. Team. Just say a Cardiff. Team. It was Cardiff. <laughs> oh my god! Cardiff got promoted seconds in 2017, 2018. So Justin manages to pull it out the bag right at the end. Justin, how do you feel? I'm relieved. I, that was the most stressful one I've had this season. That was horrible. <laughs> I don't know why. Phil. Phil, you're putting a great effort there. How do you feel? I think I think I've been consistent with Wickham's uh, championship record this season. I mean, to my defence, it's our only season of championship, so I've I've not really been looking at the second tier for the last eight years. Uh, it was a bit of a pipe dream for us, so uh, I wasn't prepared. Apologies. Well, you did well in the end anyway, and I'm proud of you all. <laughs> this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday to go through all the midweek games in the Championship. we we'll to that final stage of the season now where everything is starting to shape up and we know where teams are going to be next season. We look forward to seeing you then. Phil's Catchpole from the Wickham Podcast, Ringing the Blues. Thank you for your time today. No, pleasure. Uh, I, was, I would say any time, but it might be a few years yet now, I think. <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you on, though, Mike <laughs> Duffy from the Watford Podcast. Voices of the Vic, thank you for your time today. Yeah, same as Phil. Hopefully it's, uh, it's a while since I uh, come back on again. But no, cheers, cheers lads. It means a lot. Not a problem. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Acast anbefaler. 
Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmarked.